Previously on Quantum Kickflip. You find yourselves in the midst of a field of floating sea rocks and coral reefs. I think this is the Riley Riptide and this is BRB's claim to fame. I think if we can ride this faster than they did, we're, we're going to... We're going to get some serious clout. Ah, an excellent idea, Maybelline. Thank you for mentioning it while I was streaming. We beat BRB's record by four whole seconds. Oh, Plasta. Oh, BRB, your move. At the end of downtime of this run, you are going to roll an opportunity. Then, in the distance, black figures begin to materialize. You are required to surrender your unauthorized negafriction immediately. Can Walt shoot a robot? (laughs) Walt can shoot a robot. Xyphoskin leads you towards the moon of coral, metal, and glass. <laughs> I have rolled three different dice, and they all came up sixes in a row. Robin, roll again. No way. <laughs> you are getting 11 components from this one roll. Maybe people have had their eyes on us for longer than we think they have, you know? Are you thinking these coils might be a liability, not just for these Miper goons, but really anyone who wants to follow our whereabouts? And Helix uh, opens his hoverboard uh, and just sort of pushes his coil off into the infinite ocean. Maeve does the same, opens uh, her jacket up, removes the mega friction coil. I will be honest with you, I cannot just easily remove the coil without uh, exposing all my inner circuitry to uh, water. Uh, Walt has sort of turned his back and acted like he was removing his coil, because we do not have enough components for Walt to do it. And also, Walt can't keep his buddy around anymore if he gets rid of this coil right away. The figure holding the coils is wearing Lansden issue passwear. And he presses a button and says, We got him. Two down, two to go. Everybody and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host. I am your Slugmaster. And with me are some of my best and funniest friends in the whole world who are going to introduce themselves to you now. Players, as you introduce yourselves, I want you to tell me about a time that you had to give up something. Hello, I'm Liam. I play Helix Pinnacle, the smarts playbook with the hard light board, and I had to give up a... Many year, like five, six plus year love affair with the game Overwatch uh, when the company Blizzard mm. uh, just had scandal after scandal and disgusting, mm. you know, a lot of gross stuff came out of Blizzard. And then they followed it up by ruining the whole game with Overwatch 2. Uh, literally, the game Overwatch that I played for years does not exist anymore. Um, it's really weird to think about. Like, uh, yeah. imagine just not ever being able to play Super Mario 2 again because yeah. they patched it into Super Mario 3. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's Awful. it's wild. So I, I miss my Overwatch days, uh, and I had to give that up. Hi, my name is Robin, and I play Maybelline Zandros, the Grit Playbook with the Photonic Jacket. And uh, when I was a very small child, I uh, wanted to take music lessons, but I had this thing where when I was a kid, I wanted to, like, 
emulate the people I looked up to, but also it had to be different. It had to be my thing. So like my dad drank Coca-Cola all the time. So I had to drink Sprite because that was going to be my soda for me. (laughs) And so my dad played like guitar and bass and stuff. So I wanted to play piano. Uh, So I signed up for piano lessons at seven years old. And then I gave up piano lessons and moved into guitar at seven years old. (laughs) Maybe a month in between when I was like, yeah, no, this is not for me. I'm a guitar boy, and I have been ever since. <laughs> Hi, my name is Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the Robot Companion. Uh, and I uh, repeatedly have given up on the game Fallout 4. <laughs> uh, Fallout 4 was the reason I got a PlayStation 4, which was my first non-Nintendo console. Uh, and I got like five hours into it. And then I didn't touch that PlayStation for about a year before I picked up a different game on it. Uh, And several times over the years, I've tried to go back to Fallout 4, and it just doesn't have it. It doesn't have anything in there that is worth worth touching. I'm so sorry, Fallout 4, except I'm not sorry. (laughs) Hot takes from Michael Vetch. I have about an hour into that game, and then I've never played it since. My name is David Ray, and I play Trev for the Heart Playbook. And uh, thing I gave up on, they they made this uh, a game called Pandemic, but specifically Pandemic Legacy, mm-hmm. which is uh, the idea of it is you keep playing the game over and over again, and every time you win okay. uh, or lose, it affects the future games, and it's supposed to like change and evolve over the course of uh, playtimes. And uh, I got that a while ago, played it for a few times, stopped real pandemic hit and I'm like hmm, nobody wants to play pandemic anymore weirdly <laughs> no, everyone's out I was like okay well and as I mentioned my name is Lena I have always wanted to be a performer and I had big dreams of being a capital A actor uh, with scripts and blocking and shit and I went to school for it and then I think my last audition was I'm gonna say in 2016 and uh, yeah, the, the dream of theater, uh, I, I gave up on in a way, because now what I'm doing is improvised theater and podcasting. So sometimes giving up isn't giving up. It's just changing things <laughs> all bit. Speaking of giving up, you've all given up your nega friction coils. And by you all, I mean half of you (laughs) and you are making your egress from the plane of Desneen to get back home and let's see how easy that egress is let's play some slug blaster let's do it star disaster. You have successfully fended off Miper and mined an abundance of components from the plane of Desneen. Maeve and Helix, you have jettisoned your friction coils upon realizing that their signature is what drew Miper to you in the first place. Trev and Walt, you have not jettisoned your coils. Trev, you've been forthright about this. It's baked into your software. You can't get rid of it without suffering some damage, so you have to wait until you get back to Operablum. Walt, you pretended to get rid of your Nega Friction Coil. What? No, it was real. I'm a GM and I see everything. <laughs> so, you're in the clear with your friends for now, and those of you who still have your coils, you still have access to those abilities. 
Maven Helix, I'm sorry, but say goodbye to the mods that those negafriction coils were enabling. Tough but fair. You make your way towards the thin zone, out of Desnine, back into Thenispar. You break through and it all shifts. You feel the pressure of the water, the dark and dim blue all around you, the field of floating coral, the lack of sound, sensory input. All of that is gone and is replaced by a rush of wind and the light from the lilac sky as you find yourself plummeting down the geometric cliff sides of Thenispar. It is at this point that I want to remind you how this two-way thin zone works. To get from Thenispar to Desnine, you had to ramp off of a frond tree that was growing pretty precariously off the side of the cliff. It was like you were jumping off a diving board and plummeting down into the cliffside. But you didn't. You plummeted into Desnine. You are now breaking out through the same thin zone, which means you have resumed your descent. And if any of you think this is too perilous or intense for me to throw this in at the start of an episode, need I remind you, I did not make this thin zone. David Ray did. You have him to thank (laughs) for his constant GM tendencies. What do you do? Think fast, you're falling. (laughs) What bottom cliff? Yeah, what's what's below (laughs) us? Uh, ground rapidly approaching. But like city, no, just ground, empty ground, not like city ground. I'd say you're like at the edge of a city, like the city sort of tapers off towards this cliff side. Uh, Maeve will shout to her teammates, everybody uh, g- grab on, and she's going to engage her hard light upscaling uh, to temporarily augment her jacket with useful hard light ornaments such as glowing tentacles, giant polygonal fists, or briefly serviceable wings. Uh, I think in this p- case, it's a hard light parachute. Ooh, okay. Um, and is just going to trust that everyone else will either figure something out for themselves or grab onto her. But she's, you know, like you said, the clock is ticking. We don't have a lot of time. So she's deploying the shoot and she just yells for everyone to grab on. We're going to need a roll for this. Uh, and anyone who wants to jump in on this, uh, we can definitely make this a team roll. But I am going to need one kick per additional person jumping in on this roll. Feel free okay. to make your own roll as well. Trev is unable to kind of like pull up from this because normally he goes around on his rocket knees. However, uh, if we're coming shooting down when we come into this dimension, that means his rocket knees are above him, pushing him faster down. So I can see that maybe you're seeing this. You quickly think of the wings. You grab me to kind of like pull me up a little bit and just like, yeah. And I can see if this goes badly. I know exactly what's happening. But <laughs> if it goes well, well now we're like parasailing. We yeah. got the, the forward thrust of the rockets and the parachute in behind. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. I will mark one kick to add Trev to this maneuver. I'm going to grab a die from the hype pool. Do you have any dice you can throw me, Trev? Yeah, I'm going to give you uh, uh, one die from my uh, hyper optic visor. I can see it being like one of those things of like, I can try to help steer what I can. But Perfect. Then I'm rolling with 3d6. Sounds good. Let's get that roll. We got a five, a six, and another six. Yeah. Wow. Mar- a marked difference from last episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Maeve and Trev, describe your descent. 
Maeve sees Trev rocketing straight at the ground, <laughs> uh, just like just plummeting with his rocket needs fully engaged. Is like, oh, that's a problem, uh, and reaches out and sort of. I'm assuming you have some sort of a handle or or something I can grab on your back as you pass by. Yeah, I could see something like that, like yeah. especially to access the back panel. So, the thing about Maeve is she got a lot of hands. So, uh, <laughs> Whoa! Reaches out one arm, grabs on with two hands, and just kind of like pulls up like she's pulling up on the throttle of a jet that's taken a nosedive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think at the same time, uh, mashes go on her sleeve to uh, deploy the hard light parachute. And so it's this kind of like, I, I think she gets a lot of, um, she ends up very nauseated by this because it like, she gets whipped up and forward by Trev's rocket knees and then at the same time gets yanked back by the parachute. And it's this weird like, double vertigo thing going on which is being <laughs> yanked in two different directions all at once but the result of it is that we're like cruising along Trev's flying like Iron Man Maeve's hanging off his back the parachute is slowing our descent we're essentially parasailing um, <laughs> but Maeve has also got a look on her face like Ooh, mm, oh that wasn't oh okay we need to land we need to land <laughs> Uh, so yeah Helix is falling and realizes he doesn't have a, a lot of time to react uh, in plans on using the flicker switch, which just lets me avoid a, a physical slam by marking a turbo. But he's not entirely sure how the momentum on that's going to work. You blink out of existence, you blink back. Do you keep the momentum? He's not totally sure. You could flicker into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so instead, he I'm going to invoke a, a playbook ability I've never got to use called Actually Reads the Manual. You can break down mods into components and install new mods on the fly, literally the fly. Uh, it takes either an action roll or a few minutes. I don't have a few minutes, so action roll. Um, and I figure uh, because he's got his board kind of already, he's opened the, the panel to throw away the coil that he threw away in our last episode. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah He's yeah. kind of already got his hands in there to tinker with it. Yeah. And is going to, uh, with the, assuming this role is a success, um, kick in the matter photonizer, um, which lets me uh, turn myself into pure light and the rest of the world pauses. Uh, you can't affect the world around you, but you can move up to 100 feet in it. Amazing. Oh, I love this so much. Um, it, the Matter Photonizer also marks turbo to happen. It doesn't take a roll, so it's not like we have to compound rolls or anything like that, which is perfect. Oh, good. We're going to get a roll for Actually Reads the Manual. Uh, super quick mechanical question. Mm -hmm. uh, actually Reads the Manual. You can break mods down into components and install new mods on the fly. For Matter Photonizer, you have the lenses and the coils you would need to gem. What are we temporarily swapping out to get your matter photonizer? The photon vent. Sounds good to me. Take some dice from the hype pool if you want them. No, I got I got my own. I got I got an attitude D six. Uh, yeah, and I'll take one D six from the hype pool. Yeah, sweet. Three. Cool. Three. A six. A six. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, jeez. Uh, uh, um. Uh, he's. he's Fitting put the cross the red wire, log in. Oh my god, what's the password? Uh, okay, I, 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 um, connect this, log that, move that. Uh. <laughs> and he just transcends into this pure light form. He is incorporeal, uh, and begins. He's still falling, but his lack of corporeal form makes the uh, oncoming ground less of an issue mm -hmm. uh, and just sort of like lands like an angel on the ground. Um, I, he's the, it says I have 100 feet to move, so I think he activates this with about 100 feet to go. Excellent. And Walt. Uh, I think for within this situation, I want to try and invoke uh, the chill ability Lucky. 
Once per run, dumb luck helps you. A tree falls on a monster, lasers miss you as you tie your shoes, you unknowingly give someone a perfect gift, etc. I think Walt had initially started off falling somewhat near Maeve and was about to reach out toward her when she started diving down to come to, to grab Trev. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's now been left there and he's just kind of panicking and uh, 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 he's not really a fast thinker in this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but along the path near the cliff base, coming back in from uh, the olive fields, is a, a Thennis Martian with a little wagon. <laughs> a wagon What's in the wagon? Full of olives. Ah! <laughs> and the wagon's being pulled by like an eight-legged donkey or something. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, Rob, is there a name for that in Thennisbar? Uh, Larsham. <laughs> yes, the Larsham. Thennisbar's native uh, beast of burden. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and Walt just lands in a pile of olives, and by uh, Assassin's Creed logic, he's fine. Yeah. And then the, the Thenisbarshan whips around and is, like, exclaiming, but they're exclaiming in Thenisbarshan. But you're pretty sure if you had to take a wild stab, it would be, My olives! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Maven Trev, you uh, spin and spiral and loop-de-loop your way uh, down to the cliff base unharmed. Walt, you uh, roll out of this wagon and rejoin your friends just completely covered in goopy mashed olive um and uh, all all of you see this like angel of light uh descending and landing ever so gracefully uh no you don't the world is paused uh, uh and helix is there he's just standing there <laughs> he's just standing there what took you guys so long <laughs> trev i'm picturing like landing like a plane like coming in horizontal and then behind him mave is kind of dangling and like her little feet are like running in the air and then as we touch down they're running on the ground and then she lets go of Trev and she just continues running over to the nearest bush and then you hear her puker guts out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh. oh, the olives helped but it's the pits that really did it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that that was a successful landing uh, uh, barring some medical emergencies. <laughs> Maeve uh, pulls her head up out of the bushes and kind of looks back. I think has a moment where she like, cause I, I don't, she, she's not the most concerned with putting on airs, you know, um, mm-hmm. barfing in the, in the bushes. That's part of slug blasting. Um, but she has a little moment where she's like, Oh wait, just thinks back to like the, the multiversal odyssey and the moment with Walt on the deck and how their relationship has kind of escalated and changed. It's like, Oh, I don't, can he see me after I just, I, I, I this isn't very old and gets like really embarrassed and awkward really quickly about the <laughs> fact that she just threw up in a bush in front of her crush. Oh no. <laughs> it was uh, pretty seamless for Helix. He was uh, light for a period and then just landed. But he's never done this before and he's getting used to having come down from being light. You have guts again. Weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think he, he kind of looks around. He's, he's feeling fine and then all of a sudden uh, 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 he sneezes and it's like the flash of a camera. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. I think I'm. I think I'm okay. <laughs> you all sort of take a moment to just like gather yourselves and and sort of feel like yourselves yeah. again. Um, and you you sort of get your bearings and look around. Like I said, you are on sort of the edge of the main city of Thenispar. Um, so as you head forward, it's going to be more and more dense with uh, buildings and civilians and the like. Uh, you turn to look behind you, and uh, there's that sort of sheer cliff face, and you can kind of see the... There's like a couple caves poking out here, and they're very geometric. Uh, I've described Thenispar before as having very sort of smooth, pointed uh, sides to its cliffs. Uh, like 
big, tall geodes, essentially. Um, And you see water trickling down, and you look up, and you see that there is still water spilling out of the thin zone you traveled through. It looks like a waterfall, um, but someone screwed up placing the waterfall and put it like 20 feet out, and it's like glitching. Uh, It's not like up against the cliff the way it should be. It's like weirdly floating in space. And... From this waterfall, you see black and chrome shapes start to emerge as uh, the people from Miper who were after you break through the thin zone themselves. It seems like they were able to get the robots back online. One does not have a head anymore. <laughs> uh, but other than that, is uh, still seems to be moving. Um, there were five robots and three people. It seems like the robots are back online, though perhaps worse for wear. Um, And the three people are actually sort of riding three of the robots as they use their jets properly to make a safe descent (laughs) down the cliff. So y'all are not fully in the clear yet. You have two goals. One, get back to Operablum. Two, shake off your pursuers before you do it. Hey, gang, remember how we had that beautiful symbolic moment of throwing our coils away into the ocean depths? Uh, Well, my coil was the thing powering the crowd of hard light maves that was tying up the Miper folks. And uh, I think I think they may have disappeared and allowed a regroup. My my coil was the one that activated the blast. Um, So so that's also out of it. Trev, Uh I, I get that it's a dire straits, but carrying around that friction coil is really a liability. If you're not able to unpack it here, then we got to move back to Operablum because every second you're carrying that, they can follow us. I'm glad it's just you who has it. Uh, at least we can. <laughs> well, let's let's just uh, lower all these fingers and we'll, we'll let's let's let, uh, the, uh, proactive thinking about some other things. Uh, I, I suggest uh, a Grand Theft Larsham and we just we, we speed on back to town here <laughs> on a Larsham. I don't know. It's got a lot of legs. Yeah, they have eight legs. The more legs you have, the faster you go. That's just biology. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maeve's like, yeah, we we don't have time. Um, It's probably faster than hoverboards. Absolutely. Especially if you give it a little boost. I'm going to uh, take my hand and uh, apply a a dose of euphorophil to this uh, Larsham to really get it going. So it's (laughs) like getting into an elevated uh, sense of euphoria and will push faster than it normally would. I'm going to mark one bite. Yeah, please. Uh, The Stenispartian screams and runs up and slaps you across the face. It doesn't hurt. You're not going to take a slam, but problems on this next roll will be worse. Okay. Yeah, sure. Please, citizen, there's nothing to be worried about. You're, it's just that your Larsham is going to go much faster than a Larsham should. Uh, and, and speaking Fennis Barsham, but uh, Trev, I assume you have from Kindred all these different mm. translations, so mm-hmm. you can understand. What did you do to my Larsham and my olives? This is my <laughs> livelihood. What are you doing? All right, Trev's at the reins. Everybody else into the antipasty. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know what kind of roll this would be. <laughs> I just, uh, just a team action roll, team and action I think, uh, yeah, I, I could see it being Trev because you're at the reins, or mm. Walt because it was your idea. And I'll clarify as well, I'm visualizing that getting out is a roll, 
and shaking off Miper is a role. Uh, yeah, I could see that it'd be me trying to navigate it, trying to get a map of like, oh, da, 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 it's down this road, over that hill, over this, and just trying to uh, go straight towards that thin zone. Uh-huh. I'm going to add a D6 uh, from my visor to help with that. And do we have uh, Hype Day available? I think we have one left. Save it. Just, just roll. Okay. Um, before you do, mm-hmm. uh, I do want to just check in because according to your world map, there are two thin zones you can get to that yep. will take you closer to Operablem. Mm-hmm. One leads to the Waking Pits. Mm-hmm. One leads to Vestige. Which one are you choosing? I'm trying to think of like what the thin zones from those two, if we have easy ones. The Waking Pits was in the Catacombs. Yes. Yeah, this- waking Pits was Catacombs. Uh, Vestige was Ocean across town. So Trev's uh, map starts going towards the one to the catacombs across the city and hoping that that might help us also try to, like, lose people in the midst of all the crowd and everything. So that is a three and a two. Uh Uh-oh. That is a failure. Oh, no. You inject a euphorophil Mm -hmm. into this Larsham Mm -hmm. and uh, all of you sort of pile on and go and you hear uh, the Thetis Martian screaming and Trev and Maeve you can understand I was gonna make Tapanon <laughs> <laughs> um and yes, this Larsha moves very fast. You are absolutely correct. The more legs something has, the faster it moves. I will add that uh, having eight legs means that its body is like pretty long, like kind of a centipede. <laughs> uh, and uh, very long, shaky hair. Otherwise, it looks like a donkey. Can we course. say that yeah. the legs make like a 360 degree rotation on either oh, side yeah, of it, yeah, like yeah, wheels yeah. on a car? <laughs> Larsham does roughly translate to lonky. Yeah, 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 lonky. Yeah, you got it, exactly. Uh, and you race towards town. Um, the other benefit of Alarsham having eight legs, which is why uh, they are so often used in uh, Thenispar and Thenispar agriculture and trade and those kinds of things, is very sturdy, very sure-footed. So getting down this cliffside is not a problem at all for you, and you actually manage to gain a little bit of ground uh, on Miper at first. <laughs> I was going to say, this was a failure we rolled. <laughs> The moment you get into the city, immediately you hear like, and uh, like, Thenispartians are like charging towards you and yelling, and Trev and Maeve, you understand that they're being like, stop, you're riding a Larsham too fast, this is an unauthorized speed for a Larsham to be in Thenispar. And you absolutely realize this, because also the streets are uh, very crowded. Uh, uh, Thenispar, uh, very pedestrian focused, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, dense, 15 minute communities, baby. (laughs) The most walkable dimension. (laughs) Such a walkable dimension, it is fantastic. Um, and so you are just immediately bottlenecked. Uh, and also authorities are running up to you and being, I'm like, furiously pulling out pads and scribbling out tickets. All of them. There's like seven of them surrounding you and all of them are writing you a ticket. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think I want to give everyone a hot water slam. No, I want to give everyone a, a speeding slam, speeding ticket. <laughs> Uh, what are y'all doing with these slams? Uh, I'm taking it. I think I'll take it. I've got space for it. And it's very funny. <laughs> Trev uh, kind of uh, seen 
all these cops surround and everything like that. People haven't necessarily realized that Trev has kind of been uh, altering and changing some of his own programming, including his uh, world famous cuss uh, language protocols. Yeah. Uh, and so a part of that has just been letting go of like following authorities and uh, you you can't take me down and uh, takes out taser bolts and just starts firing them into uh, the the pads of paper and just trying to shoot them out of the hands. You can't you can't arrest me if you, uh, <laughs> you can't find me. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. But I uh, am going to keep pushing the Larsham forward uh, through this. Uh, they, they might be incidentally getting, uh, you know, fines off from everybody else, but I'm pushing through. Um, yeah. Okay. So you're going to mark two trouble to nope this yes. slam. Um, I will say that continuing to progress on this Larsham through the streets of Thenispar is not going to be effective. Um, it is a, a big boy. Uh, you are all sort of piled into this wagon that is only meant to hold olives, guys, uh, <laughs> and pedestrians and uh, traffic enforcement is still very much on you. So it's like slow moving. And all of you look behind you and see that um, Miper sort of descends down and they kind of break off and split up and you sort of lose track of them and you get the sense that they might be moving uh uh, pretty quickly through these streets to try and find and corner you. Maeve is going to nope this slam as well. Okay. But I believe that uh, I I'm going to like uh, segue this nope. I've marked my two trouble into my offer for what happens next. Maeve like sees that we're bottlenecked. We're jammed up. We're getting issued tickets. Um, she's somehow managed to, I think maybe just because she is a Thenis Spartan in Arborist robes, she's managed to sort of like, she doesn't seem like she's a part of this. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I think I think Felix, yeah. he's getting a ticket written, and they want his name, and so he starts having to prattle off all his all numbers. the numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she's she's avoided the the ticket, but she, you know we're getting ticketed. It's bo bottled up. Um, there's no progressing on the Larsham, and she sees the Miper people splitting off, and she realizes like we're not going to make it to a thin zone. We are trapped here. Before uh, you continue. The problem does need to be worse. Uh-huh. So I will put this on your radar before you act again. You see the Miper people split off and weave through the streets closer to you. You know you don't have a chance. Mm -hmm. But additionally, you see four people in what seems to be Lansden issue full-body gear also making their way towards you. I'm oh, gonna no. say I'm going to say they're on hoverboards. Okay. Um... Maeve can't process who that is or what's going on there because Robin can't either and and we're running out of time uh, and she realizes that she's going to have to do the, the last thing she wants to do and the thing that's going to get her in a lot of hot water later to get us out of the hot water we're in right now uh, and she glances down a nearby alleyway and sees the uh, familiar steps leading up to the Arborist Temple of Thenispar as like Gang, I, I don't think we're going to make it to the thin zone. Um, time for plan B. Follow me. And starts, uh, sets off on our hoverboard towards the Arborist Temple. I think Walt is going to make one more action to sort of like try and cover their tracks a little here uh, on the street. Uh, he, he's just been given a ticket and he's he's going to try and dutifully pay it the next time they return to Thenispar. But mm -hmm. at the moment, I think we need uh, sort of a big distraction uh, to try and get away under. I want to make a move with my robot companion, uh, with Carcinikin, that I, I think it'll fall under 
non-lethal weapons, just mechanically, of like a way to make a roll. Okay. Uh, essentially, I want to use that in in um, <laughs> in tandem with a piece of my gear, something you found on your way here, uh, and that something is a wagon load of olive mash. <laughs> yeah, that's you did find that. <laughs> yes, I did. Oh boy, did I! <laughs> I invented it and found it, and I'm I'm using it. Yeah. Uh, essentially, wants Carcinikin to. Use his uh, bubble beam abilities to swell up a giant bubble full of olive mash that will explode and coat this squ- uh, this particular street in olive materials. Oh, good! <laughs> Just a, a big old mess that we could disappear like a smoke bomb, but <laughs> olive. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and it'll cover our tracks in olive goop. Uh, the chill starts off rolling with two d six, and I think I want to take a dare to get a third d six. Yeah, I'll be rolling three d six with a kick. All right, that's a five. All right, that is a mixed success. Uh, let's see how this olive bomb goes off. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think uh, Walt summons up a carcinogen, and uh, there's there's enough of like olive mash and oil that as he starts sort of swirling his claws in the back of the <laughs> in the back of the wagon, this is so goofy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's like a little crab witch, and he's got a big, big cauldron. <laughs> Actually, the inclusion of the oil—he's—he's he's getting some some good stuff going on with with surface tension, and he just starts swelling up a huge bubble full of this mash. And once it gets to a huge size, everyone's kind of like looking, and it's refracting a bunch of different prismatic light all around the street. And then suddenly, everything is just coated in this olive green mush everywhere, like ground to top of the buildings. Everything is monocolor in just olives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it absolutely covers the entire crowd. There's like these yells and people are like wiping at their eyes to try and get the olive goop out. <laughs> uh, but by the time they do, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think the timing of it is actually perfect too, because as Carcinikin is sort of swirling his claws and generating this bubble, <laughs> this just like opaque green bubble that's getting Ooh. bigger and bigger, uh, like, like you're in a sewer and it's a stinky bubble, but it's not as full of olive juice. Um, it's and probably as, pretty pungent. Then. It's brutal, yeah, definitely. It was going to be some really good tapenade, you guys. <laughs> um, and as it's getting bigger and bigger, you see um, these Miper guys sort of like rounding the corner and closing in. And one of the robots uh, extends an arm and fires. And what that robot fires is so strange because they are taser bolts exactly like the ones you just saw Trev 4 firing at the traffic enforcement. And then the bomb goes off. One of those taser bolts is going to hit you for a slam. Um, I still have a spot left for a slam. I I, I will take that, I think. All right, you've been taser bolted. Trev is Trev, I thought I told you not to do that to me again. (laughs) It was not me. Trust me, and I grab him and start you know, making our way following. You are racing down the alleyway towards the Arbor's Temple. Yeah, and I think we just burst through the big wooden double doors at the front of this temple, uh, much like uh, some some cocky teens from Null might have done in, in a season one episode so long ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. come bursting into this same Arbor's Temple. This temple just can't catch a break. There's always teen slug blasters plowing through the doors <laughs> yeah. or through the windows or through wherever. But we come skidding in and Maeve, uh, you know, as the, you know, the the monks inside are are throwing up their hands and what is this what's going on uh Maeve is is 
uh, throwing her own hands into the air and shouting, uh, Orchard, Orchard, we, we, we claim Orchard. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> because what is an orchard but a sanctuary for trees? This is the arborist's version of sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, we got, uh, I, I'm an arborist. She kind of like pushes the goo, the olive goo off of her robe to try and show the emblem on her sleeve that like she is in fact an arborist. And I was like, I'm an, I'm an arborist. I'm, I'm from the operablum chapter and uh, we, we, we claim Orchard. We need, we need protection. Uh, yeah, immediately, uh, uh, there's one monk in the middle who's kind of, like, uh, mopping, and as soon as you all burst through, he, like, panics and bolts upright and then, like, flings it around like it's a bow staff and is about to get aggressive, (laughs) but then, like, pauses and waits, and then two other arborists rush to the doors. Uh, A bunch of them maybe go outside to sort of, uh, mitigate whatever is gonna be coming and knocking on the doors, and then the other two just sort of close them. These are heavy wooden doors. Y'all find yourselves in this very beautiful stone, but with some like, I'm trying to remember how we've described it in the past, but like a, it's like a stone cathedral, but it also has like almost circuitry patterns built into it. Uh, The stained glass window above the door is immaculate, almost like it's been freshly assembled <laughs> uh and the the arborist monk in the middle goes up and says uh okay wait okay you're he- all arborists or you're an arborist i'm an arborist and-, and i'm claiming orchard for all of us you're cl- uh yeah okay i guess this is my purview because i'm gonna be a forester and i need to take charge on this okay yes hello um my name is ronnie <laughs> uh, yes, you you will will keep you safe here. But what happened? What have you done? Listen, Ronnie. Th- there will be time to explain that later. But right now, I would feel a lot more comfortable if we were we were further inside this temple than the foyer. Uh, okay. Follow me. I guess. Uh, and Ronnie leads you. Uh, I think he leads you into like a, a solarium style room. Ooh. Um, it does have, like, windows all around, but you can also see outside that there's sort of, like, a courtyard with a fence, so it's not the kind of thing that, like, people are going to be bursting through the windows to come and get you. But it's just, like, very nicely sort of laid out, pleasant, well-lit. There's, like, uh, comfortable seating and stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, Ronnie turns around and says, okay, I need, uh, you to explain a lot more now. Who is the forester that you report to? I mean, that'd be Carmina by way of Tarment. Carmina. Really? Yeah, I mean, well, Carmina's who originally inducted me, but then Tarment's my local forester in in Operablem. Why why are you looking at me like that? Uh sorry, I just uh Carmina's the one who's sort of onboarding me onto everything. So, um Yeah, she's good like that. Listen, yeah. I I can give you the whole rundown of of what happened here, but just before I do, uh, testing the waters here. How how do the arborists currently feel about Miper as an organization. About Miper? Uh, I mean, fine. We've been working together to restore Ezria, uh, the whole rehabilitation of, of that dimension. Right, but but who who was the reason why that dimension needed to be re- rehabilitated in the first place, right? Ever think about it that way? <laughs> Miper, not, not so great. Okay, but... Also, you know that a key tenet of arborism is that things that can be brought to ruin can be restored again, not just for, you know, places, but for people and their actions. Right. 
Right, I do know that. <laughs> uh, Shimmer, though, not not fans of Shimmer. I I must assume Shimmer. Oh, Shimmer. sorry. I uh, listen to me talking like a tourist. Uh, twinkle. Oh, Twinkle. No, Twinkle's no good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got that in our corner at least. I, I am an arborist from Assyrian Temple, as I said, in Operablum, and um, I, I mean, obviously, originally from here, and th- these are. Well, they're my crew, okay? We're we're slug blasters and we're exploring the multiverse, but but I, I talk to Tarment or anyone at the at Assyrium Temple and you'll you'll hear I am a model arborist or I'm in good with them lately. And you're I mean tr- always. I've always been. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also at the same time in trouble with both Miper and Twinkle? Well, Twinkle is a suspicion I have because there's some people in some gear, but um Miper definitely has a bone to pick with us right now. Um, but we're, we're, we've resolved the situation that it was, uh, listen, I don't have to explain myself to Orchard is supposed to be something that we extend to anyone, no matter their circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, of course. And, and you can stay here, I guess, but I'm just, it's, it's a lot when anyone calls Orchard and this is my first time dealing with an Orchard. So I'm just trying to get my bearings here and, and what you have brought to me right now is is a lot, and, like, he's looking around at Trevor the robot, and, like, Walt with his Daivokin, and Helix, and all of you are covered in olive goo. You're right. You're Bit right, of a I'm bountiful sorry. harvest, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we we are on the same side here. We were helping Kindred in their rehabilitation of Ezria in partnership with both the Arborists and Miper, um, and it was while we were in Ezria that we happened across some components that we were not aware uh, Miper did not want us to have, but we are now aware of that, and so we have gotten rid of those components in question um, other than the one that my friend here needs to, you know, remove a little more carefully so he doesn't cease to exist, as he put it earlier. Well, now that we are in a much drier place... Maybe I could take advantage of this orchard and uh, have Walt take out the uh, the device. Yeah, I mean, we all agreed to get rid of them, and, and we are getting rid of them. That's, the situation is resolved. They're just real angry at us right now, and we can't exactly deal with that. Sorry, I- I'm a little confused. You're saying that they're after you for some kind of components? Some coils that we found. They're incredibly powerful and emit a signature that is allowing us to be tracked. So that's why it's so urgent that we either remove the coil from Trev or you give us portaling technology to go back to Operablum ASAP. Are you talking about Ezrium coils? I guess so. I mean, we found them in Ezria. I I, I mean, I'm just, you know, we are very involved with the rehabilitation of Ezria and, and I'm just confused because I don't, recall there being any, you know, mandate to relinquish said coils. Not if they're already in your possession. Wait, so it's not a legal nega friction? No, any new Ezrium that is being produced, any new nega friction is is what it would actually be because it's being produced in a way that's more sustainable. That's our biggest initiative here, but something that already exists, that's already generating that power, they don't tend to go after that kind of thing. Hang on, they were shouting at us about illegal nega friction that we had to surrender to Miper. Is this, you're telling me they, they don't actually have a leg to stand on? I 
don't think so. It doesn't sound like the kind of thing that Miper would do, to be honest. Uh, Maeve kind of takes a nervous look at the rest of her crew and is like, if that's not Miper out there, if that is Miper, then what do they actually want with us? And if it's not Miper, then who is it? I think this is all the more reason to rip that sucker out of Trev and make haste. Thank goodness it's just the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is is there a room that I could I could uh, take Trev to to to, to remove his coil? Um, just a, a little privacy for their sake, you know. Um, don't Walt, need to show the robots Walt robots. Will, <laughs> Walt will need a place that is nice and quiet to focus. Uh yeah, I, I can do that for you. Um, you two are good to wait here. Yeah, I mean, ultimately we're gonna need a route back to home, but we can deal with that after we've dealt with Trev. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can make that happen. You still have your tether? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they all have one to there, but mine's to here. It's it's complicated. Right, right. Well, I mean, definitely wouldn't want to use the tether to get you back. That's uh, very much not ideal, but uh, I, I mean, you made your allegory to Operablum. We would have mapped a route, so we can just do that. Sounds great. Okay, uh, follow me. Uh, Ronnie is going to lead the two of you uh, into just like what appears to be I'm going to say it's like a, a kitchen space. Um, and Ronnie says, is this going to work for what you need? There's uh, a utility closet around the corner. It has like cleaning supplies in it. Yeah, this should be fine. Uh, Trev, just uh, hop up on that stove there if you would. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, and I think Ronnie would uh, step out. Before I power down for you to remove, I need to know. Why did you not get rid of your coil back in Desneen? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I, I, I can't lie in front of you. That's like your whole thing. It is literally the thing that that this coil cannot let me do. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Trev. I, much like how the coil is the, the power source to your whole thing, it's also what I used to power Scampikin's whole thing. That's what turned him into Carcinikin. I'm able to talk with my best friend because of this. I can't... I can't just throw that away without knowing that I'd be able to get him back. Indeed. It would be hard to lose a friend like that. However, I do believe it will be possible that if we can build a replacement that Scampy Ken will be okay. Absolutely, and I I, I want to do that. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm not screwing things up for the crew, but I, it's, it's not something I was able to just whip up on the fly in Desneen, so I, I need to get back and I need to do some, some work on it first. This might prove to be difficult to do. If we are still being pursued, it is going to continue to be a danger to us. That, that's why I'm, I'll prioritize it as, as one of the first things I do when we get back. Sometimes it may be important to let go of something good for our own well-being. Yeah, Trev, so I really need you to let this go and we can, like, keep going with it. (laughs) (laughs) I trust that you will make the right choice. And then Trev powers down. (sighs) I don't know if these coils were worth it. And what goes to work? All right, let's throw it back to the solarium. Helix is in the middle of listing off sort of a brainstorm style 
list of explanations for who the guys in the Lansden gear are and why Miper would be lying to us. Um, and he's just trying to do like process of elimination, like deductive reasoning. And he's like, well, uh, maybe, maybe Miper wants the gear because it's going to be part of the rehabilitation, but they need the power to do the rehabilitating. But then they would have said that and maybe they wouldn't have been so aggressive about it. That's not going to work. And the guys in the Lansden gear, I mean, who who uh, attacked you when you were off by yourself? Was it that you said there was a like a drone? Yeah, I wasn't sure like it, it self-destructed before I could get a good look at it. And then, of course, I mean, it was it was guys in Lansden gear that jumped sequence and I Ooh, that that's freaking me out. But I, I already gave Jericho what they were after. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess they want it too. I, I my current theory is those guys in the Lansden gear we're looking for me and my DNA, and you know, Miper is a, a multi-dimensional corporation. Who knows what kind of nefarious stuff they're getting up to? I don't try to get into the heads. I can barely understand the giant corporations that run our world. Fair. So I think priority one: ditch the last bit of nega friction. Priority two: get home and get off their radar. Oh, for sure. I'm just just trying to figure out why we have done so much for Operablum in so little time. We have brought so many people together, but you ever feel like that's come at the cost of making just so many enemies? Like, we can't even narrow down the list of who this might be because there's so many people that it could be that are mad at us for various reasons. Like, I think we're in... I think we're in over our heads here. Yeah, for all I know, BRB has a sponsorship with Miper and they just sent a, sent them to you know, screw up our stees. <laughs> Maeve kind of like laughs that off as like, ah, probably not. But is like idly with one of her four hands scrolling through BRB's social media feed to see if she can find anything about a Viper sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> I, the sooner we get rid of those negative friction coils, the the better. Those sound like bad news. Yeah, I mean, three down, one to go, right? Mm-hmm. And with that, the negative friction coil is successfully extracted from Trev 4. What are y'all doing with that loose coil? Uh, again, just this is when I'm, when I'm nervous, I start making lists about things. Uh, we can, we could give it to them. We could destroy it. We could, uh, leave it here for the arborists to protect. Uh, we could jettison it into another dimension to get them off our trail. I, 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 uh, put it on an olive cart. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. I'm, I'm starting to panic. Sorry, guys. Wait, wait. What was the second last thing you said? Jettison it into another dimension. That's. I mean, I was all for hand it over to the arborists and let them figure out what to do with it. But but if they're if that's how they're tracking us, that that might be the right call. I mean, we're in an arborist's temple. Uh, Ronnie, you're you're coming back. Do, do you have a, a access to literally any thin zone here in the temple that we could shove the coil through? Or what about an orb? Do you have an orb that would would well yeah one way portal orb? Yeah, yeah, we we have those orbs. All right, can we take one for operablum and one for as far from operablum as you got? Uh, I got clearance for the operablum one. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, avoid what her backpack would do. Uh, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> They're gone. Uh, uh, Ronnie leaves, and uh, about ten minutes later, he comes back with one orb and says. I only got clearance for the one. Sorry, there has been some challenges lately with um, arborist stuff, and that's about as much as I can say about that. 
Maeve immediately thinks it's because she swiped those orbs for Brinley so long ago. I was like, ah, they're really cracking down on the orbs, damn it. In a roundabout way, it is because Maeve swiped them. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, whoops. (laughs) Well, all right, I guess um, this is one way back to Upper Ablum, then I mean, we could chuck it through a thin zone once we get back. We can leave it here. Uh, Ronnie, would you be willing to hold on to a contraband coil that every faction in the multiverse is after like just just hold it for us you know as a friend (laughs) (laughs) once again this is an esrium coil you're talking about right i I just i figure you've got the the diplomatic chops to uh, have it handed off or handled properly i mean if there's anywhere that you would expect an esrium coil to be that isn't miper it is absolutely an arborist temple so yeah we can hold on to it yeah, in fact, uh, we might be sending you a second one pretty soon. Should probably ditch that one that's down in Trinity Municipal Park. If they haven't already, we should probably check on that one in Trinity Municipal Park. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, here you go then, Ronnie. Um, and for the orb, should we, do we stand together like like for a picture or something? Is that the best way to do this? Or say, are we all ready to go? Say say warp. Say um. <laughs> Ronnie's just sort of looking at everyone else <laughs> doing the sort of thing where like he's too polite but we'll so we'll just ignore you I guess <laughs> Maeve looks at Ronnie in that way where you're like kind of apologizing for you like yeah you know they're they're not from here they don't get it like you know tourists what are you gonna do <laughs> all right um good luck everybody Trev uh holds his finger up thank you for your help and uh, uh, gold star. Bloop. Aw, that's nice. <laughs> Ronnie sort of looks down at the the gold star on on his lapel and looks back and says, "Oh, um, of course it's 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 what arborists do." Um, and as he winds up to toss the orb and open up this portal back to Operablum for you, I need one more roll to see how successful this is. And that's the disaster roll. So for every empty trouble box, let's get a d6 roll. Do we get any sixes? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Three out of four got sixes. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Perfect <Do> we... plan. <laughs> any fours or fives? Four. All right. Uh, so those of you who marked, uh, who rolled a six, easy street, mark one style, helix, close call. You don't uh, get struck by disaster, but you do mark one trouble. Um, and we might come back to how this trouble comes back to you, uh, perhaps in downtime. Sure. Uh, the four of you step through this portal, and I think it takes you to the Aesirium Temple mm-hmm. uh, in Operablum. I-, I think Ronnie is actually going to go through with you um, to sort of explain how you all sort of came to be here. Ronnie is able to sort of explain to Tarmand that you came in, that you called Orchard. He kind of just explains the, the situation fully to Forrester Tarmand. Um, so he's kind of uh, up to speed on everything, and, and perhaps uh, Maeve, he will want to have a word with you later. Um, but also, you know that, you know, one of the rules of calling for Orchard, if you're an arborist, is there's a bad situation, there's a bad situation, this isn't the time to pass judgment, it's the time to make sure that everybody's safe. Mm-hmm. So that 
is, as much as he's sort of a warden, he understands that priority and is able to arrange for all of you to get back to your respective towers and homes safely, which is also uh, not too difficult because of your more advanced clearance that you have recently acquired. With that, let's go into some cleanup. So let's do some faction shifts. I think I'm going to give all of you a minus one with Miper based on what you understand to have gone down in Desnine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, I thank Maeve for going into the Deciduum Temple and invoking uh, Orchard Sanctuary, as it were. That doesn't really come without consequences. Everyone's aware that y'all are a group of slug blasters who got in over your heads. It's not really the responsibility of the arborists to handle you guys. The fact that you are an arborist kind of gives you this. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the consequence for this is I'm going to give you a minus one with the arborists, leaving you at a plus two. Fair. As for crew style, shredders, plus three style on runs where you race chase or land big tricks, ultranauts, plus three style on runs where you find a new world or deal with dimensional weirdness. I would argue for both of those. Lots of racing and chasing. We did the uh, Riley Riptide. We ran from the Miper Goons. Um, and, you know, I've always treated, uh, you know, discover a new world. Not like we have to literally pioneer a new dimension every time, but yeah. like go somewhere we haven't been and Desneen fits the bill. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's give you six crew style. Y'all got 11 components <laughs> in one roll, mm -hmm. which is wild. Uh, all but one of those components were components that you got to choose. And I'm guessing for most of you, it's going to be the kind of situation where you are going to replace the mod that you lost through jettisoning your nega friction coil. So let's quickly check in with everyone, and I just want to see what mods you are getting with your components. I am taking one lens and one disc to combine with the components I already have uh, to re-unlock my previously illegal mod legally. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to spend two lenses, a coil, and a disc uh, to get my advanced neural imaging back and, uh, programmed in is probably like I had a jailbroken, like, uh, trial software. Uh, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now I'm like, okay, well, here, here's a valid, the, the, the official key, product key. Yeah. yeah the key yeah. code here, whatever. Occasionally you get a pop-up that's like, this was illegally downloaded and, and has been disabled. And just, you just hit the X. And yeah. And like, nothing changes. Yeah. It functions perfectly every time, except every so often you have to deal with this mm. annoying pop-up. Uh, I have what I need to get my photon exciter back. I will take a gem and a disc then so that I can unlock the anti-nega friction outsoles. Uh, normally on the skip mode runner, but I have power user gain a secondary signature, which I got, but never got to unlock. And now I've unlocked it. So anti-nega friction outsoles with a gem and a disc. And if I'm doing my math right, because I was the one who wrote all this down, that leaves three discs for Walt. And that was what you needed, right? For your mod, that's, you said that's what you yeah, needed. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely three discs and not four discs. Yeah. Mm. If only right. we'd got 12 components, but we rolled so poorly and only got 11. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like everyone's doing just fine. <laughs> uh, everyone clear your attitude and turbo, clear your slams or your adjectives from any super slams, and let's go into some downtime.
Gold Star listeners. It's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. If you've been enjoying Quantum Kickflip, you know what to do. Leave a review, tell a friend, chat us up in the Wilkie's Candy Lab Discord. We love to hear from you. You can also support us by following us at Quantum Kickflip on social media, where we post new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also support us by subscribing to Quantum Kickflip on Patreon. For just $2 a month, you get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip. And for $5 a month, you get early access plus exclusive bonus content, such as interviews, outtakes, and more. If you subscribe to our Patreon today, you can listen to the newest behind-the-scenes music featurette, where Robin talks about the inspiration behind some of the pieces he has written for the show. Uh, there's a little melodic moment. Um, I think a lot of the melodies is lifting from that, but specifically there's this little da-da-da-da that's in both of them uh, that I'll maybe play back-to-back here so you can hear that moment. When I wake up, I'm willing to take my chances on To listen to this episode and so much more, head to patreon.com slash quantum kickflip and subscribe today. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can learn more at amaas.ca. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the start of a brand new run on Wednesday, February 7th. Let's get you back to the action. Having successfully returned back to Operablum after our last adventure, uh, I think you said the orbs dropped us off in the Arborist Temple. Mm -hmm. Uh, Helix uh, makes his way out of Lansden Tower uh, and into Web Tower. (laughs) I know where I'm from. (laughs) Uh, And uh, up to the floor that the Pinnacle Project is housed on, uh, where he is going to check in on his workstation, check in on his bonsai tree, and just check in with the folks that, that make up the Pinnacle Project sliding doors open uh helix is strutting through this particular shift he's he's feeling pretty good that was a great run hey how's it going there d16592847653321 oh this is that's <laughs> you're really looking slick i i love seeing your koi fish just just absolutely thriving they've gotten bigger since last time oh b4892 or as we call you bb mm-hmm. i did I love the haircut. I had to do just like it, but it's starting to grow in. I know, right? Hair. It's gross. It's so annoying. <laughs> but that. <laughs> but you're looking great. Love the fade, bro. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, 1964728543976867530921472968B6GQ Gamma149. It's been a minute, pal. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, good. All right, all right. I'm going to go check into my bonsai tree. All right. It's, I, I think Helix has loosened up a lot in his time with Gold Star Disaster. <laughs> uh, and so you're talking very casually, whereas everyone else is talking like uh, episode one Helix of like, I, I accept your compliment on my koi fish and wish you well as you continue your day. Like, that's <laughs> the level of response that you are getting as you're being like, hey, how's it going kind of thing. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's feeling good. I mean, between telling Ginevra to go Vux herself in the uh, Multiversal Odyssey episode, mm. this great run we had, uh, he's, he's on cloud nine. He's feeling great. 
And uh, he, you know, after after checking on his bonsai tree, reading some of his messages, sucking back a Capri Sun pouch of his favorite protein ooze. Good paste. Mmm, that good, good paste. Now available in blue. <laughs> uh, he sidles up over to Sequence's workstation, uh, kind of like puts an elbow down on her on her, uh, you know, task desk. Hey, Sequence, how, how are you doing? It's we haven't had an opportunity to talk since uh, that unfortunate incident during our variable run. I I I'm excited to see you you back out there, back out here on the floor of the Pinnacle Project. As you sidle up casually uh, to Sequence's workstation and are talking to her, she kind of um, sits up even straighter and is very still and is not looking at you as you are addressing her. And then she turns to, she turns her head finally to look at you and says, I apologize. I think you are operating under some kind of false pretense or confusion you were talking to me you are addressing me yeah sequence i'm I'm talking to you Uh, d14972384 and he prattles off her whole 100 character sequence Mm -hmm. her sequence i suppose that is my dna sequence but i have never gone by the name sequence Oh, I, I I get it. You 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 got a slap on the wrist and told you needed to behave because you let the old DNA uh, <laughs> sneak sneak out. There. Don't these voxing jerks? What are you talking about? I would do know. no such thing. No, I know you wouldn't do it deliberately, but we, like we got we got attacked, and and, and I understand you just kind of have to be on your best behavior now because you have your your uh, supervisor breathing down your neck. <laughs> I know how it is, Ginevra. I I, I tell you. What you, why are you looking at me like that? Uh, uh, sequence seems more and more distressed as you're talking. And they, they, they take a moment and, and then say, quite quietly, I have had to process a lot lately. Things that were created and simulated for me in the form of memories and things that are actually a result of me being in this corporeal space and it is very confusing and very overwhelming already and um i shouldn't even be talking to you about this but but i i feel compelled to let you know that what you are saying right now is only making things more confusing and more overwhelming so if there is something in in the simulations that i'm supposed to know about then you should perhaps take it up with my supervisor but i cannot help you. I do not understand what you are saying to me. I just got here. Helix looks at them very confused and and just can see that distant unfamiliarity in their eyes. Not sure what they're talking about with a a simulation, but he, he certainly got his suspicions, but that... That that's not how data works. That's not how controls and variables work. He that that can't. He, he's he's equally confused now. Um, and he he at least in this moment is gonna chalk it up to like a trauma response. Be like, mm. I, I I'm sorry. I I clearly have upset you. C D fourteen. Um, 
I didn't mean to cause a disturbance to your work and your focus. I didn't mean to get your uh, adrenalines or, or, or endorphins or, or anything uh, out of whack. Um, sorry, whack's not the right scientific term. I'm, I'm finding myself a little flustered as well. I, I apologize. I'll, I'll leave you to your work. Come speak to me whenever you're comfortable, but I won't bother you again if that's what you'd prefer. Thank you. I accept your apology and um, I require space, please. Uh, of course. And he slinks away, takes a few steps backwards before turning heel, walking past some other people's makerspace desks, has a look over his shoulder, uh, and they've returned to their work. And yeah, that that's definitely sequence, but this, this individual um, was acting like they don't know Helix. Uh, and that is very strange. Uh, maybe it's, like, like you said, he's assuming trauma response, but also the, the cogs are turning. Um, Tell me about this beat. That was Take the L. Uh, not a specific beat track, just one of the uh, sort of other, other beats that you can do. Uh, you suffer a loss, burn a bridge, gain a debt, or set off a looming threat. Does the crew know? Plus one doom. Uh, and can I pitch the name of the doom to be out of sequence? Ooh, that's good. That's fun. Sure. Nice. Of course, you were mentioning the simulation. Uh, I don't think Helix knows necessarily what that was, but I'd love to remind our listeners that we saw many episodes ago sort of a split screen during what I believe was Helix's uh, origin story beat, mm -hmm. where Helix lived a full, quote unquote, normal, uh, uh, alive life uh, in reality, uh, while his uh, twin brother was... Uh, being kept in a tube and shown a simulated existence. Um, and so, well, Helix doesn't necessarily know that's what happens to the counterpoint to everyone's uh, pinnacle project DNA. Uh, uh, I think dramatic irony, we we all can make that inference. Ah, uh, Sequence got swapped with her clone. And I think it is interesting that Helix learned about the nature of him as having always been a variable from Sequence when he turned into... A, a more active variable, maybe yeah. we will say. <laughs> Varied variable. And now, in talking to her, she is acting very much like a control. As the crew is parting ways at Assyrian Temple, I think Walton may take a moment to say goodbye, and there's like an awkward like standing on the steps, like, do we, uh, oh, is this a, uh, do we, do we, is this a hug? Is this a, mm, uh, uh, uh. Maeve kisses Walt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Walt's thrilled. And then uh, they, he, he gives her hand a squeeze and then heads off on his way back toward kindred tower and i think this is just uh, the, the the essence of them spending a lot of time together waltz learning to be bolder in in fun ways uh but with that uh i'm going to take the uh trait beat sharpened a teammate inspires you or shows you something about yourself plus one trait and for that trait i will take personal growth a trait from another personality how are you changing who are you learning from uh, in this Walt is going to take from the grit playbook uh the trait sacrifice your body Take a slam to get plus two d6 to your action. 
This slam can't be noped or avoided in any way. You got to actually take it, kid. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good one, uh, particularly because uh, the, the chill does not have many other ways to add dice. Yeah. But I think it'll be interesting to be uh, able to use that ability without having the additional slam box as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Puts you in a tighter spot for sure. Does Does Helix see you guys do this? Yeah. Um, Ooh. He, he just smiles and, and is very happy for you. Uh, but then he leans over to Trev and goes, if we ever see Brinley again, I owe her five credits. <laughs> so we catch up with Maeve, uh, not actually in uh, the temple, not in Operablum at all. After the way this run went down, you know, they, they made it out and they got the components they came for, but but things got pretty dicey there. And especially for Maeve, she had to call in some favors within the Arborists and, and she's only recently gotten herself on solid footing there. So she's she's not feeling great about how that all went down and she knows there's going to be repercussions from that. Um, and so I think she is feeling like she needs to blow off some steam. I think she's also feeling weirdly a little bit homesick um, after spending some time in Thenispara on this run. She she forgot just how much she missed, you know, the the beautiful vistas of her home plane. So uh, I think we catch up with her on a little solo run to Thenispar. Not there to do anything in particular, not like looking for components or trying to do any big tricks, but just, just blowing off some steam. Uh, I, I'm picturing her sort of winding down through this olive groves set along a mountainside where it's just like these shelves and then steep drops and then shelves and then steep drops and she's mm-hmm. just sort of like winding her way down the mountainside in between these olive groves uh, getting weird looks from from the uh, local farmers as she goes by. Maybe a particularly dirty look from a particular farmer Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> who's like point- repairing their olive cart. <laughs> but pointing and like looking at all the other olive farmers and being like, that's what I told you about. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't even think she hears. It. I think she's got like headphones in and is just just winding her way and and soaking up some sun and and trying to outrun her own thoughts a little bit. Uh, yeah, and I think as you're making your way along these shelves, uh, sort of carved into the cliffside where these olive groves are, uh, you you hear someone calling out and saying, "Is that is that Maybelline? Gold Star Disaster?" And you turn and you see a girl with twin braids wearing hover skates and a backpack. And she skates up to you and she says, I did not think that I would see you here. K-Jump, BRB. I think Maeve uh, takes a second to pull her headphones off and, and is like, uh, oh, uh, hey, uh, K-Jump, BRB. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Um, sorry. What? I, I thought you might be um mad at uh, uh hi. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah to my hi or yeah you're mad at me. Second one. Oh, okay. <laughs> um sorry. Uh <laughs> Is this about the Riley Riptide thing cuz I didn't I mean I did mean to but I didn't mean to I didn't know that he was filming at the time and then it just kind of Are you all sorry happened. that you did it or not? <laughs> I'm sorry if I it came off meaner than I meant it to. So you're sorry if I think you're being mean? 
yes. <laughs> That's a pretty weird apology. Yeah, I guess it wasn't really one, was it? No. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, not apologize when you're in a competition? Yeah, because we're, we're all slug blasters and and we're all trying to one-up each other and that's part of it, so what do I have to apologize for? I don't know. You're... You remind me of someone I used to know. <laughs> You're very inscrutable. <laughs> no, that's not me. That's Tybalt. <laughs> right. Well, listen, did you want something? Because I was just kind of trying to have some alone time out here, and this is decidedly not that, so. Well, no, I mean, that's kind of why I'm also here, because it's very, like, peaceful and stuff. But then I saw you and I remembered the Riley Riptide thing and I was like, oh, yeah, she like totally beat our time and that sucks. So then I thought, well, you kind of beat us on our turf, I guess, a couple of times now. Um, So I want to beat you on yours. Oh, like like here and now? Yeah. Right now? But my I mean, our crews aren't here. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Maeve kind of starts nodding and is like, yeah, um. I mean, you're you're the guest. Did you have something in mind, or or would you like me to show you the ropes, seeing as it's my turf? Uh, she just grins at you and says, "Whatever you have in mind." Maeve thinks back to her her early slug blasting days in the in the old days with Mad Method, her and uh, Mondo when they were just starting out, uh, and her eyes wander over nearby these uh, olive groves on this this shelf cliffside. Uh, there is. Uh, this huge, huge, tall stone structure. Uh, uh, these are aqueducts. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of winding their way uh, down through the valley. Um, and they're, they're just towering over the landscape below. Uh, and she kind of grins and is like, what about, uh, what about race along the top? First one to the other side wins. You're on. And we cut forward. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm picturing them at the sort of starting line here. So you've, we've all seen like Roman aqueducts, the the big tall pillars and the like, the archways, and then there's the, like little narrow uh, canals of the water move through it. And like right on the very tippy top of that entire structure is where they're racing. Mm-hmm. And I'm picturing, I don't know how wide actual Roman aqueducts are in Thenispar is like just wide enough for two hoverboarders to race side by side, but mm. no wider. Um, and then either side, sheer drop way, way down into the valley below. Um, you do not want to go plummeting off the side of this thing. Uh, and it's just stretching out, kind of like generally going straight, but weaving ever so gradually as it has sort of like shifted and the foundations have collapsed a little and there's, there's like precarious little turns as it goes. Uh, both of you are sort of perched up at the top. And I think to resolve who is going to win this race, uh, let's just do a d6 roll. Higher roll wins. Just a flat d6. All right. I yeah. love it. Uh, I don't know if Maeve would count it down, uh, being, you know, home turf. Uh, yeah, she she's like, um, now we're going to wait for the the starting gun, as it were. So just, just get ready, get on your mark, and uh, well, you'll know it when you hear it. Uh, uh, Kay jumps smirks and then sort of gets into a crouching position ready to push off on her hover skates. And then as it sort of ticks over to the next uh, hour, the top of the hour, 
like a church bell ringing out in an old European city, but because it's Thenispar and we're in crazy multiversal sci-fi territory, it's like there's a floating crystal above a building that just like shoots a laser beam directly up into the sky with a big loud boom. Yes. <laughs> it does it at the top of every hour to let you know that it's, it's the top of the hour. Uh, the sound booms and resonates through the city and K-Jump is just off like a shot down the aqueducts. <laughs> Maeve's hot on her heels. Let's get these rolls. I rolled a four. I rolled a three. <laughs> so I think how this plays out. Both of you, K-Jump and Maeve, are very deftly navigating these aqueducts. Because these are also the type of thing where... This is not the type of thing where it's easy to traverse. Um, you, you would have to be quite a proficient slug blaster to even do this mm-hmm. in the first place. And so... Uh, you're, you're both doing very well in this regard, and I think you both make good time after all these rules are quite close. How how competitive do you get as this sort of carries on? Oh, I think Maeve's fully in it to win it. I think at one point K-Jump sort of nudges you a little bit as you make your way around a corner, and like you feel your balance go slightly. It's pretty easy to course correct, but it's clear that she was trying to like scare you a little bit into thinking you were going to topple off the aqueduct. What's your response to that? <laughs> I don't think Maeve's like, like she's in a twin. I don't think she's out for blood. She's not going to go shoving her off the off the edge or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she feels that playful shove and is like, "All right, we're we're not afraid to get a little bit physical here." And maybe at one point tries to just sort of get a hand on K Jump's shoulder and like kind of pull K Jump back and pull herself ahead. And seeing as you rolled what is technically a mixed success and I rolled what is technically a failure. I'm wondering if that backfires on her. Yeah, I think uh, you you sort of pull, but then K-Jump kind of twists under your grip and you suddenly feel not your feet go out from under you, but the duct go out from under you and it just becomes open air. <laughs> Maeve is, is widely coyoteing off into the abyss a little bit. Like she's still traveling forward, but looks down and realizes, like, oh no, there is not aqueduct under me anymore, and starts kind of trying to scramble to get a grip on on something, anything. Uh, and I think you do get a grip on something. The thing that you do get a grip on is Kajon. Oh, she is uh, hanging on to you with one hand. Uh, uh, in the other hand, she's sort of holding the uh, uh, lip of her voidware backpack, out of which is uh, a bungee cord. <laughs> and you descend slower and slower and slower as this cord gets more and more tense. And then it springs back and both of you bounce back <laughs> up. Uh, and are vaulted back up onto this aqueduct over the finish line. Uh, uh, K-Jump doesn't do any sort of like slingshot maneuver to fling you ahead of her. Uh, She does make sure she crosses first. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, whoa, (laughs) that was a close one. Yeah. Yay, you uh, you really saved my butt back there. Thanks. Thanks for that. You are so welcome. Can you say that a little more into the camera, please? (laughs) (laughs) Gladly. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for the save, K-Jump. 
Well, I can't mm. wait to kick your butt again and the butts of the rest of your crew in our next challenge. Bye. And she cuts <laughs> off her stream. You were uh, you were rolling on that, huh? I thought that was just a little little not so friendly competition between not so friends. Well, I mean, there's some not so insignificant publicity that can come from this, so I thought I would capitalize on it. I've really got to start asking people if they're rolling before I run my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me about this beat. Uh, yeah, so this was the start of a new track for me, and we're kind of cheating a little bit because we're don't you know, mark Mikey late in the in the season here, and I have not marked a single beat on this track, um, just for uh, economy of of getting everything done, and also you know. We're we're pretty far into this already. I've started the rivalry beats, but we are doing two of them in one go here. Uh, the first one is friendly competition. You strike up a rivalry with another crew or faction. Mutually beneficial, right? Plus one legacy. Uh, and that is, you know, I, I'm picturing that as BRB is the, the crew that we have a rivalry with. And we have struck this up ages ago, but most recently on this run with the Riley Riptide, we, we sort of reignited this rivalry. Uh, beat two on the track is heating up. Things get more competitive and more people get invested. Plus one legacy. Two factions move further from neutral. Mm. So you're getting a total of two legacy from these beats. What are we going to call them? Ooh. I mean, one of them I think should just be called Riley Riptide. I like that. It's funny because the second one, like it's a legacy, but also I lost that race. So Rivals, rival. Worthy <laughs> rivals. Worthy rivals is good. I like that. All right, worthy rivals. And then two factions move further from neutral. You um, <laughs> uh, already have a uh, minus three with BRB. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if this was maybe more the um, like the crowds. Scenes. Yeah, the crowds. Yeah, I think so. Mm. The, the crowds that are going to be sort of the most aligned with each of your respective crews are maybe going to be altered. Okay. So I'm going to give you a uh, minus one with the heads. Nerds, athletes, aficionados value skill and expertise. BRB kind of uh, tout themselves as being the the professional athletic mm -hmm. crew. Like, they're the ones that are going to turn slug blasting into an Olympic sport. That's their deal. Um, and so the heads, I think, are very much aligned with their values. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think I am going to give you a plus one with uh, perhaps a crowd that we haven't seen yet, the Mavens. Activists, punks, diehards value message community. Yeah, that they seem like big gold star disaster fans to me. Exactly. So you're uh, starting to influence uh, the, the broader slug blasting scene with this uh, rivalry with BRB. Love it. Walt. You are in Kindred Tower. Mm -hmm. uh, you are in a very schmancy bar oh. up on the higher floors of Kindred. Uh, it is an establishment uh -huh. by the name of Splish. No. Yes. <laughs> At Splish? Splish. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what the, is this energy? <laughs> I don't know. 
vibe with it or the GTFO? high class bar where big deals go down? Yes, where big oh. deals go down, big meetings take place, and it's all very clandestine. Oh my garb. Oh my garb. Okay, and now. <laughs> Listeners of the Fiasco <laughs> bonus episodes are having a delightful time, and everyone else is so confused. Everyone else is like, what is wrong with Lena and Michael right now? This <laughs> <laughs> went up on the main feed, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to Fiasco. It's a great time. Anyway, you are in Splish. Mm-hmm. It is a bar where mm-hmm. things go down. Mm-hmm. Deals. Meetings. Drinks. Currently, the thing that is going down is the next round of the Daibokin tournament. We've actually um, advanced forward a little bit, I'm going to say. And this is a match to determine who are going to be the top two competitors in the finals of the Daibokin tournament. And the way that this is determined is a doubles match. Uh, So you are currently facing off against two others, and your partner is Olive Fraxinus. You are seeing a very exciting sight as well. You are seeing a surged, polished form of Varpakin. Um, He is uh, much, much bigger because, of course, when you surge, you get so much bigger. Just like legs make fast, big make strong. Big make strong. We all get it. We are all on the same page. Um, much bigger. Half of him still underground. Every time he moves towards the enemy to attack, everything is shaking. Just wild. You can barely keep your footing. Uh Arms, mole paws, no. Tractor wheels pulling <laughs> And at the edge of his little mole snout is a big spinning drill. This is boring kin. Uh, uh, what surge state, uh, what, what form do we have uh, for, for your boy at this time? Uh, I think Carcinican has surged uh, up to polished form as well with Arthurkin, Big Lobster. This is like main sort of offense mode. Perfect. And I think the two that you are fighting, uh, one is currently in polished form. Um, it is a big tree with two arms that are two smaller trees. Its <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 name is Trio. Because it's th- a trio of trio trees. Triokin! <laughs> Triokin. Uh, uh, the second, however, is one that was in polished form, but you and Olive have gained the upper hand in this encounter, and it has reverted back into its primary form. Uh, it was a big... Uh, uh, Phoenix with several knives. Phoenix with several knives? Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, it was a phoenix with several several knives, four feathers, uh, glinting uh, copper and silver, uh, and it, uh, coming out the top of its head is a helicopter blade. But, as I have said, you have reverted it back into its primary form, so now it kind of looks more like a metallic uh, parakeet. With um, a propeller beanie. With a propeller beanie! Stop reading my nose, Michael! <laughs> 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 Alright, I want to see how you win this fight. 
I think Arthurkin makes a dash in to try and strike at this triokin, and he calls out, Shellraiser! And his large aquamarine <laughs> claws come swinging down, but uh, the tree, with one of its smaller tree arms, manages to catch the big claw attack and sort of hold firm. And Wolt calls out from the side, Oh man, it's it's too sturdy. Its defenses are strong. Olive, we need to try and uproot this tree. I have just the thing, Walt. Borenkin, get under that triokin, quick! You got it, Olive. I'm gonna go, go down down there. I'm gonna use my boring attack. <laughs> uh, and then Borinkin uh, d- uh, digs underground. We lose sight of it for a minute, and then suddenly uh, Triokin kind of gets this like cross-eyed look, like something just went up its butt. Uh, <laughs> like, Ooh! Uh, and suddenly it is lifted and it is now spinning 360 degrees uh, as the uh, drill from Borinkin is kind of going, you know, right up its roots. <laughs> and I think Arthur Kin uh, swings uh, uh, his mighty claws once again and fully clocks Trio Kin. Yeah, manages to grab it around the trunk and with this extra lift, the two of them flip it over, slamming it down onto the ground, dealing enough damage to revert it. Amazing. Uh, it is surrounded by green light. It shrinks down because small mean weak. <laughs> and uh, it uh, uh, turns into a tree the size of a person with another tree really awkwardly growing out the side of it. <laughs> um, and uh, both of you uh, like y'all are working together so well you're really feeling like you're starting to like really get on a level with all of it's it's exciting that you know if you win this it means that the next match the final match of this tournament is you against the Daibokin champion of the multiverse and <sighs> you feel like both of you are just in sync you don't feel like you have to like pull your weight in any way you know that you are it is a fantastic feeling and as both of you and your daibokin sort of loom over these remaining two ready to deal the final blows ready to cinch it once and for all the doors to splish burst open and a contingent of robots charge uh, and I think these robots, they're, they're not quite the same as sword sliders. That's not quite their deal. Um, I think they're maybe not as humanoid looking. They kind of have this like drone camera look to them. Um, they are uh, very sleek. But I think they are sort of uh, in, like, the colors of what you would recognize as, like, kindred authority. And they start going around the whole bar. And you realize that what they're doing is they're recording everything. They have broken into this underground Daibokin tournament. And they are starting to take stock of everything that is happening in here. Uh, excuse us, we're having a Daibokin battle. Eh, The stakes have never been higher, so please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, they're scanning. Uh, uh, Arthurkin, Uh, Arthurkin, come back. But Walt, we're about to win this thing. Arthurkin, they they can't. We we, we gotta go, we gotta go now. What what do you mean you have to go, Walt? They're imposing for sure, but what, what what are you worried they're looking for? Well... I, I I can't explain that all of I'm I'm sorry this is just I I knew I should have kept my word to Trev I 
Sorry, no, I, I, I gotta go. I, I gotta. We, we have to get out of. They can't. They can't see my device. Oh, oh okay. Well, uh, I, I guess. Um, Borinkin, use dirt clump. I go check a dirt clump uh, and throws it. <laughs> <laughs> throws a dirt clump, uh, and it, it's not effective. Um, mm. Walt, I, what do you? I can't do this by myself. Uh, the, the the cameras are turning and closing in, and uh, I think you're you're starting to hear a voice um, being projected out through the loudspeakers of these robots. And what you hear is, "This event is not authorized by Daibokin and Kindred Corporation. It must be dissolved immediately. Please register yourselves so that you may be banned from further Daibokin events." <laughs> Uh, I think at this point, Walt just hops on Arthurkin's back, and they're they're trying to make a rush for the door. Olive's just stunned. She's just like, ah, but, uh, uh. Arthurkin, come on, push through the crowd. Uh, Arthurkin just calls out, title rush, and like a wave sort of uh, ushers out from him, pushing people and tables off to the side as they make a jet out the door. Where do you go from here? I think, yeah, they're just like rushing down halls. I, I think Walt's thinking if they can make it to any sort of hyperlift, they can just try and get to a different level and lose lose track mm, these folks. Mm. Yeah, you are, are rushing down the halls. I think some of the uh, robots do break off and are trying to follow you and trying to get a lock on you, trying to scan your image so that you can be logged as a outlaw. A <laughs> <laughs> title kid outlaw. Um, but Arthur Kin with his title rush is more than enough uh, to get you out of here. You have plenty of, of ability and energy in that regard, so you are able to shake them. You do find your way towards a hyperlift, one that's going to bring you way down back into some of the lower levels of Kindred. And as you approach it, I think you suddenly go flying forward as you realize you're not on Arthurkin mm-hmm. anymore. Um, you turn to look back and you see that this electrical field has sort of surrounded Arthurkin. He is glowing with light, reverting back down to Carcinikin. You see glowing with light again, looking like he's going to revert back to Scampikin and then comes back up to Carcinikin and then the the field dissipates. And stepping out from around a corner is Shamb. And he says, now see that? That right there. That's going to be a bit of a problem for us. Walt, Walt I, I don't know what was happening. You, you stay back. Oh, are you going to pinch me? What, what's going to... I got five more of these orbs. What are you going to do? I could pinch you. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what do you want? <laughs> you don't know what I want? I guess I can spell it out for you. I want the thing that's powering that thing. And he's pointing at Carcinikin. Just like everyone else wants it. You've played with your toys long enough. Now it's time to let the grown-ups take charge. Carcinigan's not a toy. He, he's my friend. And I, I only got to meet him because of this coil. This coil is going to hurt you so much more in the long run if you're not smart about it. Alright? Did you learn nothing from Desneen? I can't just say goodbye, I... Fine. And Walt takes the Daibo vice from his hip, and he tosses it over to Shamb, and then kneels down and hugs Karsinikin. 
quickly, coldly, with all the same regard that you would have for taking batteries out of a remote. Shamb opens up the Dibovice and removes the Negafriction coil. And the moment he does, Carcinikin turns to light. You feel that embrace empty. And for the first time since putting the coil in the Dibovice, Carcinikin reverts to Scampikin. I know. I'm sorry, but... (sighs) Listen, kid. There's a lot more going on. And... Things like this are really going to make sure that Operablem is safe and secure and cohesive. I'm doing the right thing here, even if you can't see it. I don't give a fucks what you think. Just give me my Dibovice back. <laughs> yeah, sure. I guess you would have rather seen this coil go to Kindred, huh? And he tosses back the Dibovice. And Walt just stays there in the hall for a while. Shamb looks down at the Negrifriction coil in his hand and looks back to you and says, You gotta make sacrifices for the greater good. You're doing the right thing. And he turns and walks away. Walt picks up the dive of ice, runs to the nearest hyperlift, and doesn't let go of Scampikin as he rides down 300-some-odd floors. Um, and I think later you're going to see news stories come up of this underground Daibokin tournament that had been going on under everyone's nose this whole time. That there were illicit rules, um, gatherings in places where people were not authorized to go, and the biggest scandal of all of this is that it was spearheaded by multi-league Daibokin champion Olive Fraxinus, which means there isn't a Daibokin champion right now. But your name never comes up in any of these articles. Tell me about this beat. This was In Too Deep, the third in the chill beats. You're found out, painted into a corner, caught frantically Mrs. Doubtfiring at a corporate event and just weigh in over your head. <laughs> Plus one doom, pick a teammate who notices. What are we calling this doom? I think we will call it reversion. I like that. Who notices? It offer that Maeve might, like, I imagine Wolf and Maeve are spending more time together lately with both the the change in their relationship and the change in our access to other towers that mm-hmm. maybe we're, we're seeing each other a little more often. And I think it's up to Walt how much he reveals, but I think Maeve would notice that, like, something's up, something's off. I think she's too oblivious to put together... Carcinikin hasn't reverted back to Scampykin since we put the coil in, and now the thing is that, like, she doesn't piece any of that together. She's not that smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she notices something's up with Walt, and then it's up to you how much Walt tells her from there. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Maeve's the right option in that, based on, based on where their relationship's been of late. Makes sense to me.
Trinity Municipark, uh, Trev Four has now that he's allowed to have more freedom to go around. He heads there, and uh, he is going to in- investigate where this coil is the, the the last one we had, and just to see if it's still there, if it's been found or whatever. And he's trying to be casual about it, uh, where he's just doing like uh, a MIDI version of a whistle of like. You know, and, and <laughs> as he's going through, but he's scanning uh, to try to find uh, the, the the coil, see see if it's still there. Yeah, um, as has been discussed before, Trinity Municipal Park, of course, used to be your hangout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of you had stashed it in the central fountain, correct? The one that, of course, no longer works, sort of in a panel. Now, anyone else who would have checked on this in the past. Uh, would need to open that panel and visually see the coil to confirm that it is there. You, of course, don't need to do that. You have an omniscience aperture. You can see Mm -hmm. through walls and shit. So you don't even need to open the panel to confirm that that coil is gone. Trev does that thing where he puts his, like, wrists on his hips, kind of like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) Meh. I guess back to the bot shop. <laughs> Turn, turns around. Looking for something? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, and you turn towards the source of the voice and you see Gabor. Gabor. Good evening. I did not expect to see you here. No, probably not. But I was hoping to find you and come to an understanding. Mm. Indeed. I think, given recent circumstances, it is no longer prudent for us to keep secrets from each other. Wouldn't you agree, Trev Four? <laughs> Truth is the basis on which relationships can be built. Right. Well, if one of us is going to be direct, I know that you have access to all of your memories again. One of my associates helped you do it. And now that you have your memories back, you understand the full scope of what you've done to me, your friend. And I think now you understand the scope of the debt that you are in. I don't believe that I owe you anything. No. You are, after all, the one who was solely responsible for Triskelion Base being delayed as long as it had been. You were the one who stole the funding, weren't you, Trefor? I used the money for good things. You think unifying the towers was not a good thing? Funding a hospital is also a good thing. In one tower? It helped children. Well, I suppose you are very proud of yourself, then. You understand the scope of what you've done, and you appear not to be apologizing for it. Which is your right. And I think it's my right to let you know that I've underestimated you. And I'm not going to do it again. Triskelion Base will proceed. And if you do anything 
to get in the way of Shimmer. Those around you will pay the price. Your crew will pay the price. Your friend, what was his name, Lufts, will pay the price. Because clearly, you don't seem to have any problems paying a price, as long as it is only to yourself. I will make sure you feel the price that you need to pay. If you harm anyone in my crew or my friends, you will feel a wrath that will go down your spine, into your soul, and out through your butt. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think Gamora does, like, chuckle a little bit at that. Uh, and he says, I really trusted you. Shame on me. I won't do it again. You won't have an opportunity to feel that wrath because you will be too busy picking up the pieces of the destruction that you will have wrought. You got me to believe in taking down Kindred, but all you wanted to do was replace it with a new structure that benefited you and not all of the citizens. You just wanted to benefit yourself. We all have those causes close to our hearts, don't we, Trevor? We do, and it is important that we do not put ourselves first. Right. So for the sake of your crew and your friends, I think you should really keep that in mind. It was a pleasure having this conversation, Trev Four. I look forward to working together more in the future. After all, we're rising up. I think Gabor does not wait for a response. He turns and walks away. And Trev Four is just like running calculations. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like left there. Tell me about this beat. Uh, this was Us or Them on the Heart Playbook. Uh, misunderstanding, conflict of interest, betrayal, or a messy breakup causes this to hurt you and your crew. That's plus one doom, minus one legacy, and plus one fracture. All right, I'm going to make a, a new doom box for you super quick in your uh, character sheet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good Lord. The well, heart takes a lot of doom, huh? Yeah. <laughs> sure does. What do we want to call it? Do you have a doom called Rising Up? No, I don't. I, that would Ooh. that would be a good one. Let's do that. I am going to take away the legacy job well done. That's fair. <laughs> oh, you like you lose a legacy as a result of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a part, yeah, as a part of this, I gain a doom, doom and lose a legacy. And uh, plus one fracture. Your crew just got threatened. Mm-hmm. Blackmail. Yeah. Yeah.
Walt gets off the hyperlift following his interaction with Shamb. He's still holding Scampykin the whole time. His little shrimp buddy. <laughs> Walt's not being able to say anything. He just... He pushes his way through the crowds on 303 back to his apartment, up the steps and in. And as the door swings open, it like bumps against the wall in the entryway. The sound echoes through the house. It's so empty. He closes the door. He walks right past the flashing answering machine. He goes up to his room. He sets Scampy down on the bed and he doesn't know what to do. He, he takes out his phone he sends out a message to the to the crew and he just says, I vuxed up. I kept the coil. I know I said I got rid of the coil. I let I let Helix just give it to Trev so much about keeping the coil, but I kept the coil. I I was afraid of what I would lose and now I lost it. I kept the coil. I was wrong the whole time. And then I think he just He puts the phone down and he looks at Scampykin and he sees those big, bulbous shrimp eyes. Hmm. And he calls him back to the Daibo Vice and sits down. Truly the only one in this home. Tell me about this beat. Uh, this is Better Off Alone, the third of the beats in the loneliness arc. Nobody gets it, not even your crew. They're probably going to abandon you one day too anyway. Plus one doom, <laughs> plus one fracture. All right. What are we calling the doom? I vuxed up. I vuxed up is pretty good. That's great because for the fracture, uh, I want to suggest kept the coil. Yep. It's what I did. (laughs) Did did we have our fractures completely cleared out? You did. And now there's two. And now now there's two two of two. Please don't mark another fracture. You've already broken up once. (laughs) So Trev Four, it's in the night shift uh, mm-hmm. of the of the day. Uh, it's kind of quiet outside of this uh, grungy hallway where uh, Quick and Dirty the Loan Business uh, is, you know, kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like uh, the front shuttered or whatever, so nobody can get in or whatever. They don't have security. Uh, they do have cameras on the outside, but Trev Four's uh, scanning it and kind of like knows where to go to avoid being seen by the cameras. Mm-hmm. And um, goes to the back of the building, looks inside with his uh, omniscience aperture, and is able to kind of scan and look around in that back office. He sees the safe in there. He sees the computer. It's all familiar. Uh, it kind of lines up with his past memories. He scans into the safe. He sees that the uh, the the tumblers are still kind of arranged in a similar way. He knows the passcode because it's just a primitive old safe. Mm. And he is confident that he can still mess up Shimmer if he has to. And as he stands outside, he says... Lowly, uh, but it's still electronic voice. Yeah, just the volume turned down. Turned down really low. Um, If they dare hurt me, I will 
destroy them. Do 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 do. Tell me about this beat. Yeah, this is coming of age, where uh, the last one on the identity beats. You're more sure of yourself than you've ever been. What's changed? How new is the new you? Uh, it's minus two doom. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, plus legacy or a trait. Uh, I think the... Uh, I'm going to go with the trait. In this case, I'm going to go with Steezy, which is from the Chill Playbook. Ah. Uh, which is going to get me style, potentially. That's the one that uh, whenever you roll doubles, you get a style. Nice. Uh, so he's just kind of coming into himself where he's not... He has no masters anymore. He is fully himself, and he is not going to be threatened or you know, forced to do something that he does not want to do. I love that. Uh, I think for the doom that you can clear, uh, I think what's going to make the most sense is system update and thawed. I think the ones that you got from uh, your time in the Multiversal Odyssey, because you've come to terms with losing your ice chip, you know, having to re-upload everything at the start of every shift after you've charged up. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've come to terms with who you are now and you feel that it is right. All right. I think it's time now to roll an opportunity. After all, you did beat BRB at Riley Riptide. So here's how it goes. Players roll 1d6. Then if they want, add plus one if friendly or better with five or more factions, plus one if allied with one or more factions, plus one for being up and comers or higher. So you can add up to plus three to your roll. And we can do that after rolling to to get the result we want? Yeah. Sweet. Who wants to roll this? Well, I mean, you were the one yeah, that wanted... You, you you, you've, you've had the so. most... Okay. Yeah. Uh, 1d6, and then we'll add to it as we like. Well, that's a one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After reading over these options, I think we're going to spend all three of our plus three uh, to get it up to a four uh, and take team up. A mutually beneficial opportunity for you and a rival or enemy. Is this the beginning of an uneasy truce? Ooh. We're talking about how many enemies we have this run and how we can't even (laughs) narrow down who's mad at us. So the opportunity to turn one of them into a friend maybe is is too good to pass up. (laughs) That is fair. And with that, we go to the final scene of this episode. On the LED billboards of Operablum, a new commercial begins to play. Against a backdrop of brightly colored patterns and a soundtrack of crashing drums and shredding electric guitar, Ali Gator, the shades-wearing, cool gesture-slinging, fuchsia mascot of Wilkie's Candy Corporation, skateboards casually into frame, sipping a panic energy drink. Her expression changes from a cool smirk to surprise, and the camera whips around to reveal another skateboarder. A giant can of panic energy drink, accompanied by a jaguar's yowling roar. Get ready for an epic collaboration! The can of panic and alligator collide in an explosion absolutely riddled with sound effects. 
the smoke clears. And when Alligator is visible again, she has cat ears, whiskers, and kitty cat paws holding a bright red can of panic energy drink. Scramcat and Wilkie's join forces to bring you the most intense panic energy drink flavor yet. Introducing... The camera spins as it zooms in on the can in Allie's paws. She cracks the can open, and the act of doing so triggers a booming thunderclap. Scram Cat's Cran Slam! When the camera zooms back out, Allie is now in full winter gear, perching precariously on her hoverboard at the edge of an obstacle course in a Popularian mountain range. Scram Cat's Cran Slam is only available to the most extreme slug blasters who take on Scram Cat's newest course, the Cran Slam Kitty Cat Hover Track. The camera pans over the entirety of the course. It settles on Allie, who pulls the tab off of the panic can and throws it like a grenade. It lands perfectly in the center of the frame, surrounded by vibrant starburst effects. Do you have what it takes to get slammed? Slammed?